Hello and welcome to the Happy Dog Podcast. I'm really sorry for the uh, delay in getting some more episodes out to you. Um, I just don't know where time goes sometimes. So what I've decided to do um, is to do some mini series on specific topics. And the first one we're going to do is going to be all about separation anxiety. So in each mini series, there'll be maybe four or five different um, podcasts all relating to one overarching topic or theme um, so that we have a real deep dive I suppose into each topic um, hopefully answer any questions that you've got what I'll probably do at the end of the uh, mini series is open a Q&A on my Instagram and then if there's anything that hasn't been explained in enough depth or hasn't um, or you've got outstanding questions on then we can open up the Instagram and if enough questions come in then um, we can uh, do an extra episode going through all of those. So like I said, the first um, set of podcasts are going to be all about separation anxiety. And there's a few reasons that I've decided to start on this topic. The first is really that I specialise in separation anxiety. So it's something that I have a really in-depth knowledge about. It's something that I feel really passionately about because for a lot of people, it really does dictate their lives. Um, and at the moment, having come out of like the last couple of years with the pandemic, we're really seeing a rise in cases of separation anxiety. Dogs who haven't really ever been left in their lives or dogs who have been with their owners for a prolonged period of time and now the owner is going back to the office. And we're really seeing that dogs aren't coping particularly well home alone. So I thought that this was a really good introduction uh, for a mini-series. Um, I've got other mini-series on uh, puppy coming up and adolescent behaviours um, and I'm sure that you'll help me come up with hundreds more suggestions as we go. separation anxiety what defines it how do you identify it what are what is it like just what is separation anxiety why do some dogs just not cope home alone why is this such a big deal and um, why some dogs not all dogs um what kind of defines a dog that's going to suffer from separation anxiety what triggers it where does it come from loads of questions so separation anxiety is a real overarching term and it it really talks about dogs who just cannot cope when their primary caregiver is not there so often we will see it with uh, dogs where one owner leaves and even though there are other people in the house because that one person has left they can't cope or we might see it when the dog is just fully home alone so when everybody leaves but they can cope if somebody's in the house even if they don't know that person particularly well it doesn't matter. They can still cope um, as long as there is a person or maybe another dog at home with them. Um, and sometimes we can just see it. They, the, the other person can still be in the house. They could have maybe gone to the bathroom, maybe could have just gone for a shower, something like that. And the dog cannot cope behind those doors when the door is closed and they just cannot access the person. That's it. That's enough to cause them to panic and display these behaviours. 
Sometimes we'll see separation anxiety when a dog is not with another dog in the house, although this is probably the rarest kind of form of separation related distress. Um, and it tends to be a lot more um, when it's a person, like that person who walks them, who feeds them, who looks after them, all of those things. That is quite often the biggest trigger. So we kind of define separation anxiety as a behaviour that occurs when there is diminished social contact or, or with a person or with a place. So it can cover a number of different scenarios. It can be a dog being left in a room alone, being completely left alone or separated from one particular person or any person at all. Um, and it can begin either when the person has left or more normally when they're preparing to leave. So we call those pre-departure cues and they're all of the things that you do, probably most of them kind of on autopilot just by getting ready to leave, putting your shoes on, picking your briefcase up. Um, I don't know if anyone has a briefcase anymore. I'm very out of touch with the corporate world. I have been a dog trainer in a hoodie and jeans for far too long now. But you know, like maybe it might just be putting your uniform on for work. It could be your alarm clock going off. All of those things that tell the dog, I'm going to leave you at some point in the very near future. The most common element to all dogs who suffer with separation anxiety is that the dog is separated from their people and that dog then performs some distress-related behaviours, which ultimately serve to diminish the, or, or minimise the aversiveness that they feel from being left. So a lot of the behaviours, and we'll go on to those in a minute, that the dogs perform, make them feel a little bit better, or they are escape behaviours or they are bringing the group back together behaviours. So a lot of the time with separation anxiety, the behaviours that we see serve one of those three purposes. They either make the dog feel a little bit better about being left, kind of gets their frustration out. It serves to reunite the group, or it helps them try and escape from the, the room that they've been left in. So let's go into those behaviours in a little bit more detail. There are loads. So forgive me if this sounds like I'm, I'm reading out a list. It is kind of like that with separation related behaviours. Um, they it, it is a bit of a list of things, but there, there's a lot that are common to, to, to dogs to a varying degree. So I think the big one that most people think about is vocalisation. So that dogs who are barking when they're left, when they are whining or when they are howling when they are left. Often with this vocalisation, what we see is that the dog will vocalise, go quiet, where they kind of wait for a response, and then vocalise again. So it's like, are you there? Then they wait, don't hear anything, are you there? And what they're waiting for in, that, in the middle bit, if they were communicating with another dog, it would be, are you there? Yes, I'm here. I like that. So it's conversation. They're, they're, they're letting you know. I think it's the most common in as much as it's the one that people get told about. So if you live in a house and you've got adjoining neighbours, whether you're semi-detached, whether you're in a terrace, whether you're in a flat, whatever that might look like, your neighbours are probably going to say, did you know your dog barks quite a lot when you're not there? And so it's the one that people tend to be most aware of because it's the one that affects more people more than probably the most common behaviour. Um, often we will see destruction of parts of the home and a lot of the time this tends to be around 
the exit points to the to the room. So it tends to be around the door frames. It might be a window. Um, it tends to be those areas where the person's just left or where the dog can see out of and the dog's actively trying to escape from that room. Dogs may pace back and forwards. That's um, a lot of the time, I think, is just them kind of like, where are you? I'm just going to pace up and down. You know, like I was thinking like an expectant father, you know, while, the, while their partner's in labour, that they're pacing up and down anxiously. They're going to be watching for you constantly. Are they up on a sofa? Are they looking out of a window? Really vigilantly watching for where you are when you're coming back. Any signs that you're coming home? We'll see a lot of chewing that could be on toys, it could be on furniture, it could be on bedding. And this is a self-soothing behaviour from dogs. So a lot of the time we'll see destruction, dogs who will have ripped things to pieces um, and destroyed stuff. And that really does help to reduce their anxiety. Often we'll come back to wee or poo on the floor. Um, and this is a pure stress response. So whenever you feel stressed, animals need to go to the toilet that fight or flight um, mechanism kicks in in the brain and it goes right we can't deal with digestion right now so let's get all of that like out of the way it's also why we will see dogs who don't eat I often think of it when I'm going into an exam and someone says oh do you want do you want some sugar do you want a bit of cake or something I'm like oh no oh no I couldn't think anything worse than eating right now it almost makes you feel sick and it's it's because my stress response has kicked in at that point and my body cannot deal with anything in the digestive tract, digestive tract. And so um, you don't want to eat. That's why when you're stressed, a lot of people don't eat um, severe stress um, and why we'll often come back to a mess when the dog's been left. We might see drooling, panting, a wet bib around the dog. Um, because they're just one of the dog's stress responses is to pant, is to drool, is to have excess saliva. Sometimes we'll see biting, snapping, or even aggression as you're getting ready to leave. So I've dealt with cases where dogs attack people's feet as they're trying to get ready to go. And that's just a preventative behavior. Like, oh my God, you're going to leave me and I can't cope. If I do this, you might stay. Sometimes we're going to see self-mutilation. We're going to see chewing or licking on the flank or licking on the arms. Um, and this can really cause quite severe behaviour problems. Um, sorry, quite severe health problems. You can get licking so severe that it actually forms a wound on the dog's leg and then that itches and it kind of becomes almost a compulsive behaviour. When you come back, the dog is well over the top, like so excited that you're back. Um, really, really excessive greeting behaviours. Um, you might notice that your dog's paws, their pads, their nails are damaged um, from some of these escape behaviours. Or we might see um, a trauma to the muzzle or teeth from chewing, maybe a crate or at the windows or around the um, door frames. We might also see kind of other behaviours that are maybe not necessarily at the time when they're being left, but go kind of alongside. We might see um, a, a upset stomach a lot of the time, a very lethargic dog, a dog who doesn't eat particularly well, um, who just looks depressed, just appears depressed. They've got that low effect um, that they have chronic diarrhea or chronic constipation or a dog that vomits a lot so stress can really manifest itself in a number of different ways 
Um, and it might not necessarily always be at the time when they're being left. It can a lot of the time be just around that as well. Um, we're going to go into the stress response um, in a later episode in a lot more detail. So I don't want to go into it and um, the kind of mechanics from a neuro point of view right now. But we are going to really deep dive into the stress response from our dogs because it is so important. But just general indications of stress that we might see with our dogs is a lack of appetite. So if a dog that was previously healthy and is in a stressful situation, they're going to start to refuse um, food or treats. Um, this was quite often with separation anxiety. The owners will tell me, I leave them a Kong, but they don't eat it. I leave them a chew, but they don't eat it. When I get home, they go and get it and they eat it straight away. So if they're not eating it when you're not there, but they're quite happy to go and get it and eat it immediately on your return, maybe this is a sign that they're not coping very well with being left home alone. Um, you might see sweaty paw marks around, um, yawning. Now, this is a tricky one. Yawning is a stress response. As a behaviourist, I see it all the time in dogs. I constantly watch other dogs, see what they're doing, um, and you'll see a yawn. But it has to be out of context. So if I was to leave Millie, my cocker spaniel, she sleeps the whole time I'm gone. It's almost like, oh, thank God, she's gone. <laughs> Check, I can go and get some snoozing in. So she'll go, she'll watch me go, and then she'll go over to her bed, she'll pad around a little bit, and then she'll settle down. Big yawn, goes to sleep. That's not a stress yawn. Stress yawns are more kind of out of context. So you're going to see it as you're leaving, as you're preparing to leave, that kind of thing. The yawn also tends to be a little bit more intense than normal. Um, they, they, they tuck their chin into their chest and yawn intensely. Um, but you do have to look because a yawn can just be a yawn. We'll quite often see hyperactivity, especially with those pre-departure cues. The dog might look frantic or panicked in their behavior. Um, it might look like they're just being silly and fooling around, but they can't maintain this for long because it really exhausts their systems. Um, and then this then kind of leads to lethargy. You might see um, shaking as if they've come out of water. A lot of the time you'll see that when you return um, that they kind of shake it off. I think of this like, you know, when you've had a fright and then you're, you go, oh, and like you shake I don't know why I'm shaking. It's a podcast you can't see, but like you're like, oh, and you're like, shake it all out of your muscles. It's that um, that we tend to see. So what, what I'm trying to get across is a lot of the things that we see when our dogs are left home alone can be that they're not coping particularly well, but it can also be that they are just not trained right. And this is not a dig. I'm not having a go, but we do have to look at, is it stress? Is it something else? So let's talk about coming home to wees and poos on the floor. Eek, no one likes that. Now, yes, that could be a sign of separation anxiety. It can also be a sign that a dog's not particularly well house trained. Are you seeing accidents at other times? Can they go overnight without having an accident? Do they hide toileting from you? Do you have to nag them to go out or are they actively asking to go out? And can they hold it until somebody lets them out? Was there punishment involved when you did house training? Like they can get away with it when you're not there, but you might punish them if they see you do it. So there's a lot of questions that we have to look at and unpick 
to make sure that that those accidents that we see when we come home when the dog's been left are a sign of separation anxiety compared to being not quite there with their house training is it that they are bored a lot during the day and so when you go out it's a really good time to destroy the sofa to scratch at the window are they under socialized do they get very frustrated when people walk past the house do they go crazy are they barking does this happen when you're there or is it just when you're not there is it that the puppy is too young to just be left home alone that that when you go out they've got too much space and they are just finding entertainment for themselves because that's a really big part of it is the dog not properly crate trained do they love their crate are they happy to settle in their crate does your dog bark at other times what what do they bark at could that be happening when you're not there so the test that i always look for is the behaviors that we see when the dog's home alone do we see those at other times or is it just when they're home alone? Because if the behaviour is just when they're home alone and absolutely never at any other time, that's a sign of separation anxiety. If we see accidents, if we hear barking, if there's um, destruction at other times, then we need to delve a little bit deeper to really unpick which bits fit into what behaviour problem. And that's what makes separation anxiety quite tricky. And from a behaviourist point of view, we really have to dig deep to find out what's really going on. Because a lot of people will come to us with, my dog's got separation anxiety, they bark a lot when I'm not there, the neighbours are constantly complaining. But actually, when we look at the behaviours throughout the dog's day, Really, they're barking quite a lot. They bark when people walk past. They bark when dogs walk past. They bark when the postman's there. They bark because there's cats in the garden. They bark when you come home. They bark because they're hungry. And they also bark when you're not there too. But what are they barking at? And that's when we need to be setting up a video so we can watch the dog when, um, when we're out and about. Is it that they sit looking out the window and bark at every single person that walks past and you live on a main road and it's pretty much constant? Or is it that they're sat by the exit door just barking at it, hoping that you're going to come back soon? So by videoing the behaviours, we can get a real understanding as to what the dog is barking at or what the dog is doing. Are they pacing around looking really bored and look like almost looking for trouble or are they doing several stress-related behaviours, one of which is that they destroy stuff because it makes them feel better, they get a lot of that kind of agitation out of their system. So what causes separation anxiety? Well, nothing really. Well, probably more precisely, not one thing on its own. There's several life events that can exacerbate separation anxiety and it is really that mix of genetics and environment it is proper nature and nurture but not in a like anyone's done anything bad it's just one of those kind of unfortunate pairings that come together and the dog's got separation anxiety so things like multiple instances of rehoming 
in a dog who's potentially got a genetic predisposition to separation anxiety can mean that they go to a home and they don't cope when they're left home alone but that's kind of understandable isn't it because if you've had multiple instances of being rehomed then potentially you're not sure if the person when they walk out the door are going to come back so it is really difficult often illness or malnutrition um, as a young pup can lead to a reduced ability to deal with stress in the future and again we might see separation anxiety Singleton pups, pups like only children, um, they seem to be a little bit more prone to it. Might just be that they have a lot of attention from their mum and then they go to their new home and the new home doesn't give them 100% attention all of the time, which is normal. Um, the big one at the minute is that they've never been left alone and now they are being left alone. So we used to say a lot of people would get puppies at the beginning of summer holidays and a big part of what I would be teaching the owners of these puppies is maybe not from day one but from really early on your puppy needs to get used to being left alone because if it's June July time you're getting the puppy and then the whole family's a new puppy it's amazing summer was amazing we left them not once they were always with someone it was brilliant and then September comes back everyone goes back to school everyone goes back to work normal patterns resume puppies all of a sudden left all on their own like oh my god I don't know how to cope I've never been taught those coping mechanisms to be able to be left home alone so we see that now with the lock like coming out of the lockdowns sometimes the death of a family member or another dog can really hit home for a, for a dog especially if it was a, a real close person in the family or the addition of another dog or another animal or another human can trigger separation anxiety as well. Moving home, just unsettling for the dog. Um, if they've been removed from the litter too young, and so if they were removed before eight weeks, that's quite often, and those dogs will, see, will have a higher prevalence of separation anxiety. Not one I deal with particularly well, but the research says, um, air shipping and cargo, so dogs who've come from overseas, it, that's a really stressful time and if we can at all avoid it I would um I know it's not always possible if you're moving but if if you can get away with it drive them um but yeah that that kind of I've not seen it because I live in the UK and we don't have a lot of air shipping of dogs left and right and all over but it can be um a trigger Sometimes it can be that the dog's home alone and then a traumatic event happens, such as a robbery or um, a lot of the American literature will say like a tornado or something. Something horrific happens when the dog's home alone or it could be like fireworks going off or a thunderstorm. Um, and that's enough to, to for the dog to be like, oh, no, nope, no, nope, it's too scary when I'm home alone. So you can all look after me. Um, sometimes um, seizure disorders or old age or pain can also cause separation anxiety or appear like separation anxiety. Um, and another thing that we see with a lot of dogs who've got separation anxiety is that they have a lot of noise sensitivities and noise phobias. And so they tend to be what we call comorbid. So we'll see dogs who are scared of fireworks and they will also have separation anxiety. Because um, pain, old age, um, cognitive decline and seizure disorders do fit um, with the causes of separation anxiety, a lot of the time behaviorists will say, you just need to get a vet check first. Let's just make sure that there's nothing medical causing this. Like the dog can cope better when you're there and they fit with your routines, but when you're not there, 
they they can't cope. So we will always ask for a vet check before we start, which is good practice. Um, and we will, if that comes back later, then we'll start to put a programme in place. So as you can see, it's quite a complex one to unpick separation anxiety. There's not like a really nice, clearly defined list of things that we look for. But the overarching theme with those is that it's anything that happens when you're not there and only happens when you're not there. If it happens when you're around, then we need to go into that a little bit more detail. And unfortunately, there's nothing that we can say that like your dog's going to have separation anxiety. That dog's not going to have separation anxiety. It's just not that clear cut. So I feel like a lot of people are frustrated when their dogs have separation anxiety. And I, I get that. But there's nothing that's we can't predict it as easily as we can with other things. So you just have to look for a really good breeder that has a really chilled environment. The mum has no history of noise sensitivity or phobias, um, is quite fearless, quite relaxed. Um, and that you take that puppy when they've got over that eight week barrier so that they have got everything they can get from their mum and then they're ready to face the big wide world. So I hope that's kind of helped in some ways. I hope it hasn't confused you more um, about what separation anxiety is, what causes it. Um, what we'll look at in future episodes are some myths surrounding separation anxiety because there are a lot. Um, how to succeed with separation anxiety training because it's a, it is a journey, this one. Common training uh, mistakes that I see when I speak to people who have previously worked with trainers on separation anxiety, and it's maybe not gone quite to plan. Um, so looking and unpicking the mistakes that often crop up. Um, and then some top tips to help with your separation anxiety dog. So there's a lot we can go through um, to help. I, like I said at the beginning, I will, at the end of the series, pop up a Instagram question box. I'll take all of your questions on separation anxiety and then I'll do a Q&A podcast at the end, kind of mopping up anything that's been left, any questions that you've got, anything at all like that. So if you've got any that have come up today, jot them down and keep an eye out on my Instagram. It's pooches.galore. Um, you can chat to me about anything you like on there. If it's separation anxiety related, though, wait for the podcast to come out. And obviously, I won't name names, so it'll be anonymous. I won't be like, oh, Joe Blog says. Um, it'll be completely anonymous. So you can send your questions in then. Um, I hope this has been interesting. I hope you found it useful. And I look forward to you joining me on the next one. Thank you.